Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome back to Key 3 Educators. I am delighted today to have uh, a guest with us, Ruth Hovsepian. She is an author, a podcaster, a speaker, and she has a story of and a message of hope, transformation, and renewal through Jesus Christ. She's the mother of three, and today she's going to be sharing with us about a crucial topic for parents and educators that requires discernment on the part of what ages that this might be appropriate for children. So if you have little ones about, you might want to listen first to this podcast privately and and then decide if if it's appropriate for them. Uh, This could be a great conversation starter, especially for uh, children that you have that you think, okay, this is this is something that we need to start talking about. And the reality is that where we are in the world today and with the the world literally at your fingertips, then the ages at which we need to be addressing some of these issues is is younger and younger. I've asked Ruth to be a guest on this podcast because the reality is that Christian kids, Christian kids who are growing up in homes of genuine faith that are active in church, that are maybe attending Christian schools or being homeschooled, everything that a parent is being able to do to try to protect them are still at significant risk for getting involved in some destructive behaviors. It's not just, quote, bad kids, or, and when I hate that label anyway, but, and it's not just kids who do not have an awareness and a real Christian faith who can get sidetracked into some destructive behaviors. We do have an enemy whose whole aim is to kill, steal, and destroy in every way he can. And he is absolutely going to target people who have made a decision to follow Christ. So Ruth is with us today. Her journey includes um, alcohol and sexual addictions. And she's going to share with us today some of her story, but she's she's also going to be sharing about some of the, the things that parents and can do to be mindful and aware of this and also to provide some education so that we have an awareness that none of us can afford as parents or as educators to stick our head in the sand and think this is not our issue. It's not going to be an issue for our kids. So Ruth, thank you so much for being here today. And if you'll just kind of introduce us and and introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. Thank you, Stephanie, for giving me this opportunity to to speak about a very important subject. And yes, I have struggled with uh, pornography and sexual sexuality uh, for about 15 years. And praise God, I am eight years sober with that and counting. But you know, it, it, I didn't have a bad childhood. I had a great childhood, you know, a conservative, uh, faith-based church going, you know, maybe three, four times a week in church. And uh, the joke is I was born in, in the church. Mm-hmm. I was uh, not even a week old and my, and my parents took me to church. And my dad was a pastor of the church and, you know, lots of family members involved in different church planting, missions, you name it, we did it. That didn't 
preclude me from getting into this the mess that I did as an adult. And it really was rooted, I believe, in being exposed to pornography at a young age. So it doesn't matter how how strict you are at the home. There is always an opportunity and a way for a young person to be exposed to pornography in this day and age. Guaranteed, there is a way, unless you're living off grid in the mountains of Virginia, <laughs> up in the hills, and your children do not live leave that mountaintop, I guarantee you they're being exposed to pornography. It, it, it's inevitable today. Yes. And so, um, so you were exposed to that at a young age, and I'm assuming that that was something that no one in your circle knew. You know, exactly. knew about, right? Yeah. And and it, it's very interesting because in my home, my parents were very, uh, very open about talking about certain things, and sexuality was one of them. And I remember. Uh, high school here in, in Canada or in, in Canada starts at grade seven. So I was all of 12 years old and I came home one day from school and I remember. So this means that my parents had never uh, closed this door for me because I came home and without any fear said to my parents, what is a lesbian? And my parents just, you know, said, well, why are you asking? And I said, they're calling us lesbians. Now, my background is of European and uh, Asia Minor, so I'm Armenian. And Europeans, Greeks, Armenians, Italians, we hug, we kiss, we hold hands. Boys would do it. And, you know, we're now in a different generation. But back in my day, uh, we held hands. The boys held hands. The girls held hands. No one thought anything of it. And, I, and, and when we were holding hands, the older kids, the grade 10s and 11s, would call us lesbians because their sexuality had developed. We were still coming out of uh, elementary school, and many of us had no clue about it. That was my first conversation with my parents about it. And they said, oh, that's when two women, blah, 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 blah. So I had that kind of an opportunity. So I knew that you know, when I had my kids, I needed to be open with my children and speak to them. So it, it was it was a very interesting thing that happened that even though people didn't know I was having struggles and I had nobody to go to speak to about it, I had the opportunity to ask questions. But, you know, in a Christian family, uh, kids sometimes hesitate to ask those questions, right? Because their sinful thoughts, their sinful feelings and sinful, uh, you know, actions. So, yeah, it's a very difficult uh, situation for us. But this is the environment I grew up in. And as an adult, um, yeah, I, I didn't really have an opportunity to talk about it with anyone. So when I went into that world, it was my little mm -hmm. secret my dark little secret. And yeah, it, it took a lot. It's only in the past three, four years that I, as I am today, talking about it openly. And it, it is very therapeutic as well, you know, because it, I'm, I'm helping, mm -hmm. but it helps me as well understand that 
those thoughts were a normal process mm -hmm. as a child. And so I know that you came with some statistics that you want to share with mm. us, because again, we, we want people to understand that uh, this isn't something that you're just talking about. So you can, you can just kind of share your story that this is, yeah. this is a real issue. And like you said, nobody is going to be able to, to escape the, this reality. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah, go ahead. So, so the reality is the reality is that twenty seven percent of today's young adults have seen porn before they enter puberty. That's twenty seven percent that they have seen porn before wow. puberty. And today's easy access to porn really contributes to this fact. And this number has more than doubled in less than a generation okay and it's gonna and it's gonna increase really because of where we are today culturally mm -hmm. and and the second statistic i want to share with everyone today is only one in 10 teens say that viewing porn is a bad mm. thing so what used to be an underground industry or you know you had to go to a specialty store to buy pornographic videos or movies or um or magazines books today is readily available and it's even affecting the culture's view of what was once widely considered as culturally taboo mm -hmm. so the the fact that it we have easy access you know the interesting thing is that during the COVID years as I like to put it, um, certain websites like Pornhub actually got rid of their subscription fee mm. because there was such a high demand. So the subscription was, you know, taken away. So it more than, I don't even remember now the statistic, but the number of people that were viewing porn during those months is mind boggling, Stephanie, just unbelievable what what took place during that time. And again, we're not just no. talking here, we want to be very, very careful that we are clear that this this isn't just something that non believers deal with. We cannot mm, be naive, yeah. naive about that. So yeah. I mean, um, can we cover the the ways that porn just warps Absolutely. the mind? Absolutely, yes. Of, of children yes. and 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 adults, because you know we're we're talking you know to parents today, so we're talking about children. But this is in place for every single one of us that you know watches porn or reads porn. And let me uh, let me just clarify something: porn is not just video or movies. Porn can be literature. And one of the things that as Christians, we need to be careful and cognizant of is the what we are reading as parents. I remember I'm old enough to remember the 50 shades of gray, and the phenomena that took place with that and and women, I remember getting my nails done one day, these older women and women of all ages were talking about 50 shades of gray and how they wished their husband was like that. And, and I, I had not read it. it. It just was not for me because 
listen, look, look at my background, mm -hmm. right? I, I was an addict to it at one time. I would never go to it. But I will say something else with that. It starts off very innocently. And I remember as a young girl reading Harlequin, Harlequin romances. And, you know, back in the day, we're talking this, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. Harlequin was very innocent, you know. But those innocent ones then got changed a little bit. Then they had a different series which upped the sexual activity to the point where now you're reading pornographic books, all in the name of romance novels. So we need to be careful of that as well. So looking at the five ways using pornography over and over damages our sexual beliefs. So harm number one, and the first way is watching pornography will decrease your sexual satisfaction. Okay. So as a young child, when you start watching that, what happens when you then start to get into a relationship with someone and then get married? Your expectation of things have changed. And as parents, you know, you may say, oh, it's wrong for my children to watch. It's okay for us. We're married. We're a couple. It, 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 it adds spice to our marriage. I guarantee you it may add spice the first few times, but there will come a time that it will not be enough. So it trains us to desire the variety and, and designer sex. This is for the adults that we're talking about, okay? And, and it changes what sexuality is in our marriages. And are we not setting an example to our children? How do we carry ourselves? What are we watching? What are we, how are we thinking and speaking? Because if you're watching pornography, how do you, in, in, in a good conscious way, go to your children and say, don't watch mm -hmm. pornography? Isn't that hip hypocritical? Mm -hmm. So studies are showing that the more people expose themselves even to soft porn, the less satisfied they are with their physical appearance of their, uh, of their significant mm -hmm. other. And of, the, and of themselves as well. So as a young child who is introduced to pornography, what is the issue with these girls? Why? Why do we suddenly see girls being unsatisfied with their appearance and the way that they look? It's because they're, they're comparing themselves to these naked women. And they see every line and, you know, whatever, and they need to look like that. So that's one way. And point two or harm two is watching porn disconnects us from real relationships. That means our children don't know how to build a real relationship, whether it's a friendship or whether it's a relationship that will lead to marriage. So it trains us to detach ourselves emotionally. And I can attest to this because the more my addiction progressed the more i was detached from all of this i became very cold-hearted i was discarding partners in, so to speak and that's what is happening in you know because of our involvement with this so you know you it, the studies are showing that more people turn to cyberspace for sexual satisfaction what does that do to a marriage you know, how does that reflect on our relationships? You know, our committed relationship 
a committed relationship is what gives us the true experience of intimacy. So as parents, we need to remember this. Harm three is watching porn lowers our view of women. This is a is it you know something that we really need to look at because you know uh we it trains us to see women as sexual commodities and now i believe it's doing the same for men as well so women are looking at men because we're now in that culture and frame of thought that women are equal to men so women should have as many partners as they want so what we're telling our children is yeah you have sex with them and you move on and you go on to your next part uh, partner but people we are created in god's image so how how can we look at men and women as sexual commodities and please understand even christian married couples are known to watch pornography because they think there's nothing wrong with it but there is something wrong with it those two people are 99.9 percent guaranteed are not married they're not a sexual and even then sexual intimacy is not to be shared with others so that is you know something that we really need to watch and out Harm if i can four, and yes. comment on that third that third point there um ruth and just to reiterate that it's no longer just about objectifying women so i mm. have sons that are in the the young adult you know age category and one who is single, but, and so I've heard back from him as well as my other sons that there is very much a mindset that says, basically, men have been using us for so long, mm. it's our turn now. And so we're going to use them. And that is very, I don't know, you know, whether that's um, going much in Canada, but I know definitely here in the States, it's, it's very much um, a, a real issue, you know, for, for young people. Yep. So it's, it's about objectifying yep. everyone. It's not just about men objectifying women. Yep. It's also about women objectifying and being intentional about preying on, on men. Yeah. A hundred percent. So harm number four is watching porn desensitizes us to cruelty. Imagine as a young child, as a young person, watching porn and being desensitized to cruelty. What happens as they start to grow? And we're seeing the evidence of it already everywhere. Everything is sexualized. Everything is becoming cruel to one another we don't have any empathy for one another it numbs us to the seriousness of verbal and physical aggression i mean just turn on the news turn on the tv turn on the the music videos and that's what you see so mo most modern uh pornography portrays women as enjoying sexual abuse and degrading language and it is a toxic sexual miseducation. And you're right, Stephanie, it is women, but men as well, because we're seeing this in the last few years, right? Look what is happening to our young people out there. They've lost their identity of who they are. They just think that yelling at each other and screaming each other and hitting each other is a way of communication. So this is Satan doing his job really well and finally 
Finally, and this I attest to 100%, watching porn makes us want to watch porn more. It taps into your, into the neurocirculatory of our brains, and it makes us desire the same rush of sexual energy again and again. That intimacy that you develop as a couple starts to fray, starts to fall apart, because suddenly now you need an external, external stimulus to have that same type of intimacy. And over 90% of therapists believe a person can literally become addicted to using pornography. And I stand by that 100%. And porn addiction, sexual addiction, is one of the hardest addictions to get rid of. Because if you are a gambler or you're an alcoholic, food addict, whatever, you can walk away and not just go into those places and protect yourself. But in this day and age, pornography and sexuality is in your face. Commercials, movies, all kinds of things. So yes, we need to be very cognizant of of all of this and be aware of it. And one yeah. of the things I want to point out, you know, you you mentioned in this this last comment about the issue of how it impacts our neural circuitry. And and mm. because we're talking primarily to parents and educators and to understand that as children are developing and young people are developing and I I have a, a digital course on what happens to the brain during adolescence. Because we, we, you know, we, we kind of make these jokes about, oh, they're hormonal and all that kind of stuff. And we tend to think of that in terms of a very limited framework of what happens biologically. But the reality that the brain actually rewires itself and it says, this is the brain that it, it cuts neural connections that it says, I don't need these anymore. Yeah. And then it reinforces the ones that it says, I'm going to keep these and I'm going to carry these with me into adulthood. And so it's not just a matter of, of knowledge content that changes during adolescence. And there's a lot more that happens. And one of the things that, that happens is that the brain and the body actually begin to crave novelty. The, the taste during adolescence actually changes. So a 15-year-old can eat the same candy candy bar as a 28-year-old, and literally their taste buds will experience it differently. It's a far more intense sweetness to a 15-year-old than it is to a 28-year-old. And that's one of the reasons why so many of the times we can remember things from our adolescence, which isn't just the teen years. It's That's roughly, give or take, you know, depending on the individual between 12 and, you know, 24 years of age. We can remember so much of the music and the clothing and different things because it really truly imprints in our brain in a powerful way. And so we enter and exit adolescence with a different brain. We exit different than than what we do and begin with. And we carry that brain with us into adulthood. So at any point in time, exposure to and um, whether it's porn, whether it's substance abuse, is going to have an impact on us. But when our our young people and our children are exposed to it, it can literally become 
part of the rewiring of their brain in a way that is incredibly powerful. So this is definitely an issue. No parent can just, they can't, they can't just stick their head in the sand about and think, oh, well, it's not my kid because we've talked about this. We are going to stop here and we will finish our interview with Ruth Hofsepian in the next episode. Ruth will be sharing with us steps that parents and educators can take to prevent and to help young people, children through young adults who are going to encounter or who may have already developed some issues around their sexuality related to the viewing and the use of pornography. You have to remember your children's long-term spiritual, physical, relational, emotional well-being is absolutely paramount. And you have to keep in mind that it's not a matter that these are only issues for non-Christian families or for kids who just, quote, haven't been taught any better. This is a very real battle that you absolutely can engage in and you don't have to live in fear of, but you can live in awareness of. Make sure to join us for the continuation of this on the next episode. In the meantime, you can check out further information about speaking engagements and the adolescent digital course that I mentioned during this podcast on my website, stephaniepresents.com. Remember this, my friend, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable.